Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast, where we are all about cultivating consciousness in the digital age. Let's get going. to the Nature Unplugged podcast with me, your host, Sebastian Sloven, and I have Sonia Mohammed here, too. Hey, everybody. What's up, Sonia? What's up, Seb? Not much. Hey, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since our last podcast, and we are excited to be back in the mix with you all. In this episode, we're going to explore a slightly different way to get more green time and nature time into your daily life. And that is through the joys of gardening and maintaining indoor and outdoor plants. Ooh. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. We've got a great guest today, too. We're going to have an interview a bit later on with Kiana Navarro, who will chat with us about her gardening adventures and a thorough exploration of community gardens in our area, San Diego. Very cool. But before we get going, let's do a few updates. Uh, the big news, everyone, and this is kind of why we've been... MIA in the podcast world for a little bit, but we have our newest book, Experience Nature Unplugged, A Guide to Wellness in the Digital Age, is coming out on March 1st, 2021, so very soon from now, and it will be available uh, through Amazon and basically basically available anywhere you want to get a book. There's going to be a paperback version and an ebook version of that. So we're very excited about the book. We've been we've been chipping away, working hard at it, and it's it's basically in essence, uh, you know, it's really our our aim was to make it really practical. So a lot of tips and tools and and things that you can do to implement in your life right away, and it also you know, for people wanting to do the deeper work, it encourages some deeper deeper dives and reflections to how to find and maintain balance between your screen time and your green time. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do a on our next podcast we're gonna include more details about the book and get into it a little bit more. So that'll be we we'll launch that next week. So be be sure and stay tuned for our next podcast. And um, oh yeah, one other thing, our podcast is now available on our YouTube channel, Nature Unplugged YouTube channel. We'll link it in the in the show notes. Anyway, so that's any other updates, Sonny? Nope, that's it. Okay, okay. What else you got? Well, I think let's just jump in. You let's know? jump in. <laughs> so uh, we talk a lot on this podcast about how challenging it is to break away from our devices and find time to interact with nature. Um, so spending time in nature or with nature, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, right? There are lots of different ways to do it. Uh, and we encourage you to explore and try different things. You know, that's what has worked for us. What works for Seb doesn't always work for me and vice versa. Um, and the idea is to find something that excites you and engages you, something you look forward to, um, because it's easier to do things when we're excited about them, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, and so to start with, most of us think about nature time um, and think, okay, that means going to the park or the beach or the mountains or some cool like nature escape. And today we want to focus on the smaller ways we can engage with nature daily by bringing the inside outside and bringing the outside inside. Um, so these are just two sort of general topics. We do talk about it briefly in our book as well. But Okay, um, okay. <laughs> so what does this mean, bringing the inside outside? <laughs> yeah, great question. So 
it's it's basically like what are we doing inside that we could be doing outside so it's real easy uh, to become an indoor creature especially right now when everything's sort of remote and we're in a pandemic um there's not as much bringing us outdoors um but there's a lot that we do inside um that translates really well outside and that could be like reading it could be eating meals um playing games you know there's lots of things um do you have something that you really enjoy doing outside but maybe you tend to do inside yeah well before i get into that i wanted to say too just a little i I, people i think know we're in southern california so i I can see people in colder climates being upset by this uh (laughs) okay assumption that you can do but you're from the east coast yeah uh so what did you do yeah what did you do it's it's february yep were there some things that you did to bring the uh, the inside outside in the cold months? Yeah, I think for me it was you know exercising where I could, even if it was just a walk. Um, you know, trying to find a way to get outside, even when it wasn't totally pleasant. Um, or if there was, I mean, the cold rain didn't really love that, but snow that's like beautiful to walk in, take a picture, you know, whatever you want, sled, build snowmen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, we are in a warmer place. Just wanted to make, yeah, give that some voice to the cold, Fair. cold, cold uh, thanks weather for, people. Thanks for sticking up for the cold weather people. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what is okay? What did you ask? Some things so, I like to do. Yeah, like what's what's one thing you like to do outside I mean, that people tend to do inside? Yeah, I think um, I like to eat outside mm. when I can. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, we have a nice little outside space. We're pretty fortunate in that that regard. But having a meal out there, a little snack, maybe some tea. And also reading. Yeah. In the uh, hammock. In the hammock. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, that's my favorite thing too. You stole it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's just, that's an example of one way we can engage with nature uh, every day is by, you know, trying to do something outside that we typically do inside. Um, the other idea is bringing the outside inside. What do we mean by that, Sebastian? Do you know? What do we mean by that? Bringing the outside inside. Okay, so things that come to mind are, um, you know, getting plants inside. It's basically bringing nature inside. It's quite straightforward. But, uh, you know, gardening inside. Do they call it gardening when you're inside? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You know, house plants, air plants, little herb garden. We just got this... um, What's it called? The little thing we have up in the, in the kitchen. You set it up. It's like a little... Oh, yeah. It's a, it's like a little windowsill herb garden. It's microgreens. Oh, yeah. Microgreens. Yeah. yeah. What did we plant? We planted like... It was called like... It was like a super salad mix or Super something. salad mix. So in a few yeah. days, hopefully, we'll be able to give you an update. Yeah. This is, yeah. It's maybe a little bit of a cheat because it's sort of a... Uh, windowsill gardening 101 it's like it's basically got everything set up for you You just fill the thing with water and you push these seed packets down into it and then you know in four days you check it and you make maybe like a little opening for the sprouts to come out no it's a great great, it's a great way for us to step into it for sure I think it's great so I mean some obvious examples right like bringing plants inside Mm -hmm. but other things are, are pictures of nature whether that's drawings or photographs uh nature based books or nature-based uh, home decor? Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that we have in the hallway that I love is the um, poster of all the different birds in the United States. Is it the United States? I think yeah, so. North America. North America. North American um, birds. And it's, it's cool because, I mean, obviously I'm not outside, but I'm learning about birds, and then when I go outside, I can more easily identify them. Yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Also, I really love, this is another, this is kind of 
slightly different deal. But we have an oil diffuser. Mm-hmm. What is, is it called an oil diffuser? I'm pretty diffuser. sure that. Yeah. Anyway, a little thing. You put scented uh, drops in it in water and, you know, you can do like mint, lavender, pine, eucalyptus, whatever you want to do. Lots of nature-based um, scents that really help bring the outside inside. Yeah. 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 And so let's just spend a minute or two real quickly talking a bit more in depth about sort of the gardening and the indoor outdoor plant world, because I think this is is a way that you can really step into this, um, whether it's a, a tiny little succulent or a mini herb garden or just really trying to step up your houseplant game, um, you know, all the way up to maybe having a full garden bed in your backyard. The, they're all really great ways to start connecting to nature again in a, in a different way maybe than you had before. So anyway, I, we just want to share some of our successes and failures because I think this is a trial and error experience and it's nothing to feel bad about. You if you kill to put a, the failures in there. <laughs> well, there's nothing to feel bad about if you kill a plant. Actually, a couple of our friends who are in the gardening game um, and, and Kiana as well, who's going to come up here soon in an interview, um, tries to make it very clear you're going to kill stuff. It's part of the learning process. It's okay. Um, but we've had a lot of successes. We've had some really great thriving indoor plants, you know. Um, we've got some orchids. Is that what they're called? I always forget. Yeah, orchids. Orchids in the bathroom that are thriving in that, like, showery, hot, misty area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, again, that microgreen thing we just set up, I think that's going to be a great, um, hopefully no-fail step into sort of the gardening game for us. Um and, uh, you know, full disclosure, we've got this huge empty garden bed in our backyard that's been there for about three to four months, and we just can't seem to bring ourselves to get it going. Um, so it's more of like a startup failure there. Um, yeah, but, failure to launch. I think, yeah. I think the thing with that is we just, I mean, you didn't mention this, I don't think, but we just planted out the front yard, which is a big mission. That's true. And that's where with you, know, native you can plants. do one thing, that, you know, we're yeah. just, I think our focus has been out front. And then once that's going... Yeah, we got to get it. We'll we'll, we'll do yeah. our uh, garden bed. Yeah, because I think something about like eating what you put, what you plant is pretty cool too. But the Super natives cool. out front, those have been delightful because we've seen them start to grow and flower. Um, actually, it's like way more fun weeding now that it's that there's more of a purpose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, gardening. You know, I think there's lots of ways to step step into it. And it's a great way to connect with nature. And speaking of gardening, we're pumped to share a recent interview that I had with Kiana Navarro, a gardening enthusiast, a gardening enthusiast and USD graduate student who shares her personal gardening journey and um, her experience exploring the community garden scene in San Diego. Oh, very cool. Well, enjoy the interview. Go get them, Sonia. Hey everyone, I'm here with Kiana Navarro, a Nature Unplugged collaborator um, who's been stepping up her gardening game during the pandemic, both in the practical sense of nurturing her own garden and then also exploring the wild world of community gardening. Um, Thanks for joining me today, Kiana. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, For a little context, Kiana and I worked together at the University of San Diego in the same graduate school, uh, the School of Leadership in Education Sciences. We were in slightly different areas, um, but we had a lot of overlap in our work on the sustainability committee, which I think, are you still the chair of that committee now? Or how's that going? 
Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, with the pandemic, it's a little, it's a little slow right now, but as is most things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, a, a lot of the work when I was there at least um, was creating like an infrastructure for composting and, and educational programming, like helping people understand how their behaviors um, either are or aren't sustainable and how we can all improve in different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. For both our students and our staff. Um, so Kiana continues to work there and um, she's also a student in the master's program in the peace and justice um, department. And you're about halfway through that program now, right? How are you liking it? Yeah, halfway done after Friday, just turned in my last paper for fall. Yeah, um, no, I really like it. It's a, it's a really interesting curriculum base and um, I have great colleagues in my classes and it's, it's fantastic. Cool. Well, great. Um, and on a personal note, I'm very excited about our chat today because I'm trying to start um, my own backyard food garden. And I've been, I would say, trying to start it for a while now. Um, it feels a little overwhelming and I'm not like exactly sure where to start. So I'm looking forward to getting some good little bits of information and hopefully like get me on my way. <laughs> um, so on that note, why don't we start with um, how you got into gardening? Like, where did you start? Yeah, so um, I mean, I think like most people, I bought a few house plants and killed them. Um, <laughs> and I think that's normal. Um, but for like uh, vegetable gardening, we um, we had an apartment with like a balcony, and we had one of those um, those planters that sits on the rail of the balcony, and we put some like tomatoes and peppers in them. Um, super exciting, just like watch little things. We bought the starters, so they already had tomatoes, so it was a lot harder to not have anything come off of them. Okay. Um, but I really got into gardening after um, we moved into this current house um, and I got like a little raised bed out by my patio and I've just been trying random things and it's definitely like a learning process like try and fail and then try differently. Yeah yeah I mean I think I'm getting more comfortable with just killing things and like knowing that that's <laughs> part of the process it's not gonna be perfect but that's helpful um and um so we'll, we'll come back to individual gardening towards the end, but I wanna spend some time up front talking about community gardens and what they are. And I've seen a bunch around San Diego and they're a little bit mysterious to me. Um, and this is something that you've done a bit of research on by now. Um, so could you tell us what a community garden is? Yeah, so community gardens came around um, to be a big thing during like times of war where communities would come together during the depression and um, farm together to provide food for that community. Um, this is when, you know, there's a little work and um, they kind of grew into a variety of different community gardens. So the ones that you're probably thinking of are neighborhood gardens where there's like a zip code where people live um, and they're all responsible for their own plot. There's also residential gardens where like a, an apartment complex or something, they have a garden that is maintained by people who live within that facility or like churches or schools, um, they might have an institutional garden. And then there's also like ones that just do like demos or workshops, like demonstration gardens. I think there's one in Balboa Park. Um, so they provide like an ability to garden when like you're living in the city and you don't have a big yard or um, it cleans up spaces for communities. And really in cities, there's a lot of food deserts. Um, so it provides empowerment to people to grow their own nutritious food while fostering a sense of community and bringing people together. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one that's, that I see all the time on my walks is, um, at a school. Uh, and I think, I mean, I, that sounds really 
ideal to me because there's the educational component around like teaching kids how to garden and then they actually get to like eat <laughs> the food that they're gardening in their meal. Yeah. Yeah. And then it like provides them like some mental breaks, right? From their studies, like to getting outside and seeing like plants in action and, you know, <laughs> connecting yeah. to nature. <laughs> yeah. And the sensory experience, I imagine too, like the tactile, like feeling the dirt and yeah. And just, yeah. Being outside and interacting with nature, great things to do. <laughs> and so what is it about community gardens that sparked your interest really? Yeah, so like you, I was walking through my neighborhood and I saw this sign that said Vera House Community Garden. And it was this cute little blocked off place. I was like, what is this? <laughs> um, and so I did some research and I didn't know community gardens were a thing at all. Um, and I just kind of dove straight in. And um, yeah, I mean, being like a student of peace and justice studies, like knowing that community gardens bring like food justice and help with sustainability or environmental justice while getting people outside was just really, I mean, it's inspiring. It's exciting. And I just like, I'm so excited to be maybe one big day, like starting one, or at least maybe joining one. Um, I did reach out to this community garden in my neighborhood, but it's like a three to five year wait time. Oh, that's a, <laughs> so, that's a little disheartening, but I mean, it's because people are so um like fulfilled by their experience there right like they're yeah. getting food for their own tables or to sell at farmers markets or whatever it might be they don't want to leave that space yeah yeah I guess it makes sense I mean I, I wouldn't expect a high turnover necessarily in community gardens um yeah well I mean in community gardens they sound awesome I mean they look awesome they sound awesome um but I imagine there's a lot of complexity to them and how they function um a bunch of individuals coming together which is generally a good thing but I suppose could there could be tension um do members usually get along are there ever any issues or what have you found yeah so conflict does exist within community gardens um I mean it could be as simple as like your neighbor plot is using fertilizers or pesticides that you don't want or they're not like following the rules of the community garden um there's issues with like because there's common spaces in community gardens, so it's not just your plot, and you're supposed to be responsible for taking care of that as part of that community. Like it's the whole group's responsibility. Um, or when like the the excitedness of the summer harvesting season dies down, and it's like fall or winter, and then people don't go to their garden and they don't tend it, and then it starts to look like you know abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to you don't want your community garden looking like that it's supposed to be like a beautifying space and like bring you joy just by being there um there's also like when you're starting the community garden it's all based on like volunteer labor and so different schedules in terms of who is going to be there when that can be an issue um vandalism sometimes you know there's people out there who unfortunately like graffiti like stuff and who's going to take care of that and yeah. yeah there's there's some issues that come up with it but yeah yeah I know that makes sense I mean I think perhaps it's just important to understand that it's not a perfect thing it's really great thing. yeah it's a great concept it's a great experience usually but it's not without its own little special um <laughs> challenges too <laughs> okay. um so so how do community gardens get started do you know um, yeah, so really there has to be passion because it is a slow process. So someone has to be really excited about it and they actually can't be alone. They have to share that passion with some other people within that community. 
So um, once there's a good tight knit group of people who are very excited about this project, they really need to start identifying land or spaces that'll work for the garden. Um, and I mean, at San Diego, land's a premium and it doesn't come by easily. So here it's, it's probably a little bit tougher, but it's still doable. Um, and then with that core group of people, you want to have um, like very talent. So, you know, you want someone who is good with accounting. You want someone who has connections with like the city government or people who have connections in like um, hardware stores or gardening stores or really embodying, you know, who is in the community and what resources can they bring to the table. Um, and then you get to do the exciting part of like landscaping and planning everything out. And um, it's probably a good idea to consider partnering with an organization because they can help with like collection services or paying bills for water or, you know, having, if it's a nonprofit organization, people can donate to your or your cause, your garden, uh -huh. and it's tax deductible at that point. And so then fundraising might be a little bit easier if you're connected to a nonprofit. Uh -huh. um, but it, it is a slow moving process. And as long as there's like that community drive with this initiative, it usually, um, I mean, the, the community feels empowered, right? Like by increasing their home values or just the community involvement or food justice or all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's no small thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of, lots of boxes to check like pieces that um, are necessarily um, in place for you. You have to, you know, yeah, you have to have the passion. I imagine it's, it takes a lot of energy and persistence to make it happen. Um, yeah. So falling back on that passion is important. <laughs> One yeah. time get tough. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a big job. Um, let's say like more realistically, someone just wants to find a community garden near them to join. Um, what might you recommend they do? Like what are good ways to do that? Yeah, so here in San Diego, I found that there's two like big gardening networks. Um, one's called the San Diego Community Garden Network. And the other is the Masters, the Master Gardeners Association of San Diego. So both of those websites um, have tools if you were creating a community garden that you can like see actually what check boxes you need to do. Okay. Um, but additionally, for people who just wanna join an existing one, they have um, like a list of all the registered gardens here in San Diego. And so like there's this like really big Google doc and you can just scroll <laughs> through or find your zip code or whatever it might be. Um, and it'll tell you like, how many plots there are, how much the fees are per year or six months or whatever it is, if they're accepting applications, um, who who to contact, like where it actually is. So, I mean, I I imagine this exists in other cities too because how how are how do you connect with these places? And they want people to come in, like they want to share that passion with others. Yeah, and so I um, I can certainly link to those resources for sure. Um, and then uh, I think you also said you had some success reaching out to some folks on Facebook, is that right? Oh yeah, so when I started this um, gardening research big thing, um, I joined, uh, it's like a Facebook gardening network. Uh, there, there's like three groups that I joined and I was like, hey, I'm a graduate student. I'm doing this research project on community gardens. Can you connect me with someone? 
And sure enough, like, they're like, oh yeah, I need to talk to like Molly or, or Walt or whoever it was. And people are excited to share this information. Like, like we, we said earlier, you know, people don't want to leave community gardens, but they also want to bring people into that like network with them. So, um, I mean, master gardeners, they all want to share that information. So don't be scared to ask, just, just ask. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes along with if people are passionate about it, they want to share about it usually. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So yeah, Facebook, always, always a good resource somehow. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. So I think that gives us a good picture of community gardening, how to find one maybe how to start one if you're feeling um, aspirational. Um, but if you're like me, maybe, and you just want to garden at home, maybe on a smaller scale, like what are some other ways people can step into gardening? What advice do you have? Yeah, so um, I think container gardening doesn't get as much um, credit as it deserves. So mm -hmm. like you can take a pot and you can totally grow like fruits or vegetables in it. Um, that's I have several pots outside and like, Tomatoes you see sold in like pocket stores or like strawberries. Um, I'm starting bush beans this, this fall. That was pretty exciting for me. Um, but additional to that, you can do like a little mini raised bed, whether it's directly on the ground or actually lifted from the ground. As long as you have like four to six inches of dirt in there, uh -huh. you're pretty good. Um, and then you just kind of want to know like how much sun you have. So like, what can you plant? That was something that I didn't really do very early on was like what, what is what I'm planting? What does it need? What does it need for sun? How much water does it need? How much space does it need? Um, so really look into that because you might kill less plants. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good advice. I mean, I think, yeah, if we sometimes I think we just say like, oh, it's outside, it'll get light. And yeah. some plants do much better with direct sunlight and some do much better with shade. And yeah, good things to be thinking about. Yeah, um, they, they put it on the packages for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're trying to tell us what to do. Um, I think I might have asked you this before, but like, what is a bush bean? Um, so there's like pole beans that like grow up and a bush bean is, it just grows more bushy and it's smaller. Oh, okay. Um, but like and a so, green, like a green bean. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. It's just um, the way that it grows. I think that's why it's called a bush bean. That makes sense. Okay. I don't think, I just think that's like still a foreign term to me. So I was trying to picture it. That helps. Yeah, there's like pole beans and then there's bush beans. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. Okay. So um, final two questions sort of just for fun. Okay. What was your biggest gardening fail? Okay. So I've already said read the directions on the seed packets. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you've ever seen carrot seeds, but they're just like these little square paper thin, tiny little things. And mm -hmm. You read the directions, it's like, yeah, just sprinkle them in your row. So I did that, but I didn't do the next part. Um, you're supposed to thin out the carrot, like pick the strongest looking plant after it sprouts, after like a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. um, and then it'll have room to grow. Well, I was just so excited that I just had this two rows of full of carrot tops, very full. So I didn't thin anything out. And I left it for the whole season and then some because I kept pulling random carrots and they were just like itty bitty babies. So then I finally pulled all of them and they're just like, the, they're smaller than baby carrots that you buy at the store. They're like this big. Um, it was because I didn't thin them out. They were delicious. Like I didn't have to chop them or anything. Um, but the, so you had like the full carrot top that's like this big and then the little baby carrot because it didn't have room to grow. Uh, but they were super cute. 
they, they were adorable. They were yeah. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, I think I probably would have just been very excited to see them growing and done the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the joy that comes from like planting a little seed and then like it becoming a thing that you eat is mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. And I think that's something that comes through with like the community gardens because a lot of the people who are coming in who are asking for help are new and so they're just so joyous like oh, I grew this thing like what look at it grow yeah. yeah I mean the full cycle piece of gardening is really incredible because I think it's really easy to just go buy you know a carrot from the store and not think about all the resources and time that went into the production of that carrot um but then when you grow it yourself um yeah I mean it tends to taste better usually because it's you know very organic and natural um but then also but there's actual love in it like you put yeah. love into that carrot yeah <laughs> Totally. Okay. That's helpful. Um, and then we'll end on what's like a piece of sage advice you can offer to new gardeners. Yeah. So I think it's important to like not give up and to be patient with yourself, right? Like we've already acknowledged that killing plants is kind of a thing when you're new at this and that's okay. Um, but like stick to it, you know, not everyone's born with a green thumb. I certainly wasn't, but my partner was. So that kind of worked out in my favor because I was able to learn and now he's like hands-free he's like yeah you got this um so yeah be patient don't give up after your first two or ten plants <laughs> yeah yeah okay well great well that was some really good gardening wisdom um and if you want a little more information from Kiana our new resident gardening guru um keep an eye out for some short tutorials on companion gardening which um Kiana mentioned briefly and space utilization um though both of those are coming soon to our YouTube channel and so keep an eye out for those and thanks again Kiana yeah thank you this is fun Okay, well, wonderful interview there with Sonia and Kiana. And for more gardening wisdom from Kiana, you can go to our Nature Unplugged YouTube channel for two short videos where she shares about both companion planting and container gardening. Ooh, very interesting. Uh, and before we go, we want to include a challenge for this week. And that is finding a way to bring the outside inside and the inside outside. And again, more specifically, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, but it's really about, think about one way that you can bring nature or nature elements into your home and one thing you can do outside that you normally do inside. So that's the challenge. Okay, well, wonderful again. It's good to be back. It's good to be back here. And that'll do it for this episode of the Nature Unplugged podcast. Next time, we're going to be talking about our book in more depth. So be sure and stay tuned for that. So thank you so much for listening to the Nature Unplugged podcast. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, basically wherever you want to listen to a podcast. And, oh, we're on YouTube now. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. We would love it if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube. That helps us a ton. Be sure and visit www.natureunplugged.com for more information about our coaching, workshops, presentations, and retreats, as well as some other really awesome free resources, you know, such as this podcast. Uh, you can also find more detailed show notes on our website, links and, and photos and things like that. Okay. Well, thanks so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. 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 Oh, so you're still here. Oh, bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks
you 